tieflings and tabaxi, high elves and halflings, barbarians and bards. Welcome back to Raw School. Open up your player's handbook as we take another deep dive into the magical and mystical world of Dungeons and Dragons. Class is now in session. Wibbly wobbly woo, you're going to smell like poo. Swing. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Abraca That's right, pupils. I just Dabra, cast. Abraca, dear. Everyone pay attention. Raw school is here. <gasps> I love that line. <laughs> we are talking about spells. Spells. Spells, spells you say? Jump- Tell me more. I'm Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> New, that's your new car- human fighter. <laughs> yeah, human fighter. Sean, 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 Sean Connor. Well, okay, spellcasting. Our students are excited. All right. uh, I know Sandy is excited to look down her paladin list of spells and Ooh. choose some for her character. Uh, but let's talk about what what all that means. You know. Yeah. So if you're if you're have your player's handbook, we're on page two oh one of the handbook, so you can that's where you're gonna want to go just to learn about spellcasting generally. But Anna, how would you in your own words describe what a spell is? A spell is magic. So in <gasps> in D- Dungeons and Dragons, when you are trying to accomplish something, you have your personality and your wits about you that you can do, mm-hmm. that you can use. You have weapons and armor that help in battle. And then some classes are lucky enough to be able to wield magic, which means there are a huge long list of different kind of spells at the end of the player's handbook. Uh, Different classes are assigned lists from which they can choose their spells and the different spells do different things. Some of them can heal. Some of them can harm. Some of them can hide. Some of them can bless. So let's talk. Let's talk about spells. Let's talk about spells, baby. Okay, sorry. I didn't know what. I didn't know how to like incorporate the next line. Let's talk about you and me. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, hey, Joe, in looking at the spells. Wait, I just got it. Let's talk about SMV, somatic material verbal. Ooh. SMV. Let's talk about all the all the transfigurations and, and evocations that can be. <laughs> all right. Um, sorry, I know what we were saying. I was saying, hey Joe. I'm putting on my fake voice. Hey Joe. I was hey, looking Anna? at the spells at the back of oh. the book. And I noticed that they said oh things like eighth level, first level, third level. Huh? Does that mean that I get to cast first level spells when I'm a first level character? Well, not necessarily. So let's get into it. What are spell levels and spell slots? Okay. If you are a spellcaster, and I believe that the only class, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the only class that does not have any subclasses that that you could learn spellcasting is barbarian. (laughs) All other classes in some way can technically gain access to spell mm-hmm. slots. Oh, actually... Is there a barbarian well, you know, subclass yeah, that can monks. do magic? No, I don't think oh, okay. so. Yeah. No, I think... Uh, technically, monks don't get spell slots, but they get they do get access to spells. Um, uh, way of the four elements. So, 
what is a spell level? Spells, much like characters, have levels. Anna learned the hard <laughs> way in, in her campaign that they do not correspond. If you are a first class uh, spellcaster, you may or may not have access to first level spells. But if you are a second level spellcaster, you do not have access to second level. Mm -hmm. Or rather, I should say, if you're a second level character, you, you cannot cast second level spells. The spell slots range from one to nine. And then there's also zero level spells called cantrips, which we'll talk about a little bit yeah. later. But basically, um, you have a, a certain number of spell slots, which are your available um, uh, available spells to use uh, per, uh, of, of each corresponding level. Now, the easiest way to visualize this is to just go to the first page of whatever class you want to play. Let's say you're going to play a wizard um, and you learn that at first level, a wizard has two first level spell slots. It just tells you on that chart. It tells you the number of slots you have for every level of wizard that you take. It's really clear cut. It's all there in front of you. Um, so I have flipped to page 53 of the player's handbook. Mm -hmm. That's the bard page. And the, I'm looking at the chart. And it says at fourth level, if you go right across, it says at fourth level, my proficiency bonus is still a plus two. I get to do an ability score improvement, which we can explain later when I get to fourth level. It tells me how many cantrips I know. It tells me how many spells I know. And then it tells me how many slots I have. And even though I'm yep. at fourth level, you will notice that I don't have access to any third level spells or any fourth level spells. I know four first level spells and two second level spells. Or rather you have... Oh, I'm sorry. Four three. first level... You have four first level spell slots and three second level spell slots. Right. And you know a total of seven spells. Um, now, the spells known, that will differ depending on the class so some classes they have access to every spell on their list so druids and clerics for example just have access to all of their spells and every day they basically sit down and decide okay at more sunrises what spells do i want to have on on my you know plate for today and the class description will tell you the maximum number of spells you can have prepared um wizards are, are a little different so wizards gain spells every level much like a bard does um but then they can also take spell scrolls and write them down in their grimoires and then get access to that spell and a wizard just prepares spells that they have access to every day much like a cleric or a druid and then sorcerers bards warlocks um these classes just learn spells progressively as they gain mm -hmm. levels if that doesn't make sense for now, focus on whatever class that you want to focus on and read the description in the player's handbook. Maybe compare, you know, compare cleric to uh, bard to wizard just to get a feel for like the different ways that you can accumulate spells known. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about this. We've mentioned the word cantrip. Um, and this was this was definitely something I didn't know when I was when I was just starting out that um Cantrips and spells are two different things. Cantrips don't use a spell slot, which means that you can cast a cantrip just as many times as you want. So if it's an action, then literally every time it's your turn to take an action, you could do that cantrip without burning any spell slots whatsoever. Yeah. And don't like don't look at cantrips and say, oh, they're not important. Cantrips are some of the most important spells that you will actually 
have access mm-hmm. to because when you're you're in a dungeon dive and you've used all your important spell slots and you want to save those higher level slots for really like you know uh, really 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 important times then what do you have access to as a spellcaster you're not going to be slinging a sword around most likely you're going to be using cantrips right um and a lot of cantrips, um, there's fun ones. There's one called Thaumaturgy, which lets you do really <laughs> cute, fun things like change your hair color, change your eye color, or uh, make lights flicker or doors open, things like that, that you can have a lot of fun with. But then there's also really powerful cantrips. Like, um, what's the what's the fire ring one that you always do? Bonfire? Wait, is that a cantrip? Oh, 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 yeah. Bonfire. Yeah. Yep, it's a cantrip. Create bonfire. Um, create bonfire is great. Eldritch blast. I yeah. talk about a lot. Firebolt, freezing ray, sacred um, flame. That's a great one. Sacred flame. Uh, toll the dead. If you're a oh, cleric, yeah. take take take. Toll the dead. Um, Shillelagh as a druid. I mean, just read all of the cantrips that you have access to. Um, and, and like Anna said, like some of them are more geared towards combat. Some of them are more geared towards like role play and like utility. My advice to all you spellcasters out there is take a little bit of mm-hmm. both. You definitely want to have at least one spell that deals damage because at the end of the day, when you have when you have no slots left, you're not going to be running up in the in the in the you know uh, the fray of battle. You need something you can cast from a distance that's not going to use your your spell slots. So exactly, just a little just a little bit of advice. Now, so moving on now to to first level spells and higher, you cast a spell in a slot that you have access to. So if you have four first level spell slots um, and, and however many number first level spells, you know, um, you could, if you wanted cast bless four times, bless is a first level spell. Um, you could cast burning hands four times at first level, but you can, let's say now you have access to not just four first level cells spells, but two second level spells. Most spells can be cast at higher mm-hmm. levels. As a DM, even if it doesn't let you cast it at a higher level per the language of the spell, I, I'll let you burn a higher level spell slot to cast it. I think that's kind of an unspoken role in d Sure. But so like if say, say you're going to cast Identify, which is a first level spell, and you're not going to waste the time to do a ritual, which we'll talk about later. I would let you burn a second level spell slot if you really wanted to cast that spell, because that's that's more of a detriment to you mm-hmm. as a player. So I'm willing to that's let a you sacrifice that. you're making as a player, because second level spells are typically more powerful than first level spells. So if you're using right. a second level spell slot to cast a first level spell, it means you're giving up a little bit of that power from a second level spell mm-hmm. in order to be able to do the thing that you want to accomplish. Yes. Um, however, you can you can upcast other types of spells to increase their damage yep. or increase their effect. So Bless, for example, we've talked about this on the podcast, one of the best spells in D&D, in my opinion. At first level, you can target three uh, you know, creatures, including yourself. But at second level, and for every level above that, you add an additional creature that you can target. So if you're a third level spellcaster and you cast Bless at th- or sorry, if, if you're a spell, see, I just made that mistake. <laughs> Terrible. If you're a spellcaster that has access to third level spell slots, you could either cast a third level spell in that slot, or you could take a spell like bless and upcast it, cross out that third level spell slot for the day and cast bless and target five people instead of just three. Um, Another great one is something like cure wounds. 
So yes, that is a first level spell, which means when you get access to first level spell slots and you can touch a creature and give them 1d8 in in healing and add your spellcasting ability modifier, every time you use a spell slot higher than first level, you get to add a 1d8 to that. So suddenly yeah. now you go from giving up to eight plus your spellcasting modifier to one more spell slot. And now you're at 16 plus your spellcasting modifier as a possible maximum for your healing, which is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about my character, Inky, who is a grave cleric uh, at sec at first level grave clerics do maximum healing to creatures with zero hit points. So I sometimes will upcast Cure Wounds at second level. That means I instantly give a downed character 16 health points plus my Wisdom modifier, which is fucking awesome. Um, uh, and, the, of course, the general rule that applies when you can upcast spells, you cannot downcast a spell. A second level spell must be used at second level or higher. It cannot be used at first level. Right. Yeah. Um, now... Uh, there is one exception to the rule of casting spells um, with using a spell slot, needing a spell slot. Right. And that is ritual spells. So not every spell caster in, in the game is what we call a ritual caster. If you are a ritual caster, it will say so in your class description. Um, I believe wizards, druids, clerics, bards, and I think sorcerers are the only um, uh, ritual casters in the game. What a ritual does is it lets you add 10 minutes to the casting time. So each spell will have a casting time. It, some will be an action. Some will be a bonus action. Some will be a reaction. Some might be an hour. There's one spell that's 24 hours. Um, just to, like That means you sit and cast a spell for 24 hours. That's crazy. Obviously, that's not a spell you cast in that. <laughs> but uh, you, when, if a spell has the ritual tag... It means that you can cast that spell, tack on 10 minutes to the casting time, and you can cast that spell without using a spell slot. So I would like to share what the perfect example of when this ritual casting comes in so, so, so handy. I play mm -hmm. a Dragonborn Bard in one of the campaigns. A Bard is a ritual caster. I have access to a spell called Leoman's Tiny Hut, which literally creates a tiny little tent dome that my that that I along with all of my PCs in my campaign so all five of us can fit inside this little dome and we are protected from magic we're protected from the elements we're protected from other creatures getting in so every single time in our campaign we're about to take a long rest which means that we're about to camp down for the night i will spend 10 minutes casting Leoman's tiny hut. I don't burn a spell slot because I've done the ritual casting instead of instant casting. And mm -hmm. I am able to create a tiny little mobile home that protects all <laughs> me and my fellow players. So it's an excellent mm -hmm. example of how exceptionally powerful ritual casting can be. Absolutely. Leoman's tiny hut is a phenomenal spell for anyone who has access to it. Um, yeah, that's a great example. Um, we talked a little bit about casting times. Just be really conscious of the casting time. Sometimes uh, I've seen players like uh, clerics who have access to the second level spell prayer of healing. They're in combat and they're like, all right, I cast prayer of healing. Everyone gets three D eight health. Well, prayer of healing requires 10 minutes of casting. So that is not a spell that can be cast 
realistically in combat that would be like a hundred rounds of of combat um in order to finish that spell so you're not going to cast right um most of your combat spells are castable within an action a bonus action or a reaction and most of your non-combat spells are going to be more than that all right so now let's talk about spell components briefly this topic there are so many rule controversies. A lot of our issues we cover in Raw and Order revolve around components and things you can do with spells. But the basic concept is just how you need a sword to attack with a sword. You need to do certain things or have certain things um, in, in order to be able to cast a spell. And luckily, the spells provide that information for you. So if you read a spell at the back of the book, it'll tell you what the components are. But the three categories of components are verbal, somatic, and material. And more often than not, it's the material component that may give you trouble when you're casting a spell because some of the materials have prices attached to them so it'll say uh in order to be able to cast revivify you need to have a diamond that's worth what 300 gold pieces and yep. if you don't if your party doesn't have that in their possession you can't cast that spell even if you have it prepared even if you have the slot for it unless you have that material component you you can't cast the spell right so um, breaking these down a little bit more verbal, it literally just means that you have to utter some sort of incantation. Somatic means you have to move your body parts in some way, your hands, your feet, whatever, um, in order to uh, exact that spell. Think if you watch the show Magicians, they do those weird hand motions. That's what you're doing. You're like flicking a swish with a wand. Um, now, material components, What, like Anna said, um, for certain spells, there are the general rule is that if if a spell consumes the material component, then you have to physically have that material component. Um, the And the other rule of thumb is that if the spell requires a material component that has a stated gold value in the spell description, you also need to have that item. So in Revivify, in that example, you both need a 300 gold diamond and it says 300 gold and the spell consumes it. So you lose that diamond once the spell is complete. And that's the cost of bringing a player back from the dead. Um, most spells can be cast using either a component pouch or a spell casting focus. You can read more about those on the, the, the pages. We won't get too much into that, but basically a spell casting focus or component pouch will take the place of most material components unless they have a gold value or are consumed when casting the spell, both of which will be stated in the cost description uh, in the spell itself. Another aspect of spell casting is range. So you want to pay attention to this because for some spells, uh, if you're casting it on another creature, you have to be able to physically touch that creature. So you have to be within five feet or right next to each other in order to cast that spell on them. But for some, it has a range of sometimes up to 30 feet, sometimes up to 120 feet, depending on what the spell is. And typically those are the ones that you know require a verbal and somatic um, element where you're just kind of moving or saying something and you're able to cast that spell at a longer range. So the description of the spell, again, will provide you with that information, whether it requires touch or whether you can do it at a distance. Yeah. Um, so now let's talk briefly about the concept of concentration. Concentration is 
a very simple concept that looks ominous. But basically what it means is that when you cast a concentration spell, you are you are focusing mentally on that spell. You can still act perfectly normally in other ways. It just means that you can only have one concentration spell active at any given time. Um, so concentration spells will, will linger and last for multiple rounds or until the effect is used. So if you cast a spell like fairy fire, first level spell, you cast it and let's say uh, you start concentrating on it. That just means that if you were then to cast Bless or Flaming Sphere or some other concentration spell, Fairy Fire would end. All the effects of it would end and you would now start concentrating on the new spell. The important thing to remember about concentration is that if at any point you take damage, whether it's on your turn or not, doesn't matter. If you take damage, you have to roll a concentration check, which is a constitution saving throw. And the number you're looking for is 10 or half the damage, whichever is higher. So for most levels, like level one through five, you're pretty much looking to beat a 10 because it's rare you're going to take more than 20 damage. But if you if you take 30 damage, then you actually have to get a 15 or higher on your constitution saving throw in order to succeed. Um, so spellcasters, you might want to think about buffing up constitution or taking the warcaster feat, which gives you advantage on those rolls when you reach level four. Awesome. And once again, uh, whether a spell is instantaneous or whether it's a concentration spell or how long a spell lasts, that's all contained in the spell description as well. So we've we've referenced the spell description a bunch. I think that maybe we can just look at a spell, break it down for our listeners and see where all of this information is contained. So I've turned to page 219, where the spell Bless is. And we've talked a lot about how great Bless is, how much we love it. So I thought that would be a perfect one to break down. Um, so starting right at the top, you know, the name of the spell is Bless. The spells are provided in alphabetical order at the back of the book. So they're pretty easy to find. Right underneath the title, you'll see First Level Enchantment. And now remember, that's the spells level, not the character level. So when you mm -hmm. at level two, perhaps, uh, whenever you get access to first level spells, that's when you're able to cast bless. Uh, and then right underneath it, you'll see casting time. And it'll say one action for bless, which means that in battle, when it's your turn, you can, you have a bonus action, you have an interaction, and then you have something called an action, which typically, um, p individuals in combat will use to, to attack or in this case, uh, cast a spell. So one action is required to cast bless. Right underneath that, you'll see the range of the spell. So for bless, you don't need to be, touching the creatures that you cast it on, you can be within 30 feet of the creatures that you bless with this spell. And the components here say verbal, somatic, and material. So there's three aspects to the spell. But if you notice, the material simply says a sprinkling of holy water. There is no gold value attached to that holy water. So if you have a spell component pouch or an art, uh, spell casting focus, then you are able to cast the spell without a problem. And then right underneath that, you have the duration. This is a concentration spell. So it lasts up to a minute and you must be concentrating on it in order to continue your creatures to be blessed by this spell. Yeah. 
awesome. Great description, Anna. Um, so one other thing you you'll notice it says first level enchantment. What does that mean, enchantment? Well, it doesn't really matter all that much. Um, it, it, just be aware of it. Uh, on page two hundred three of the player's handbook, it lists all the schools of magic. This is just how the world breaks down the different types of spells and generally speaking, what they do. Um, so, for example, if you cast a spell detect magic, you can detect magic in a 30 foot radius and you learn the school. So that might inform you as to what kind of magic you're sensing. If you're sensing like necromatic magic, like maybe that's a bad thing. You may not want to go near that that cur- chest that's cursed with necromatic magic um, or maybe it's going to heal you. You never know, but it could kill you. Um, just be aware of it because some subclasses, especially if you're a wizard, are going to rely a lot on on the different types of schools of magic. And you get certain benefits depending on what school you belong to. So looking more at the spell bless, you bless up to three creatures of your choice within range. All right. Well, creature, we know that you're party members and you are also a creature. Anytime a spell says says, says creature of your choice, it also includes you. So I cast it on myself, I cast it on Anna, and I cast it on our friend Bob. Um, and then whenever that creature makes an attack or a saving throw, they add a d4 to it, which is so fucking awesome. <laughs> it's a great yeah. spell. I mean, and then you'll notice Bless is one of those things that only gets better if you cast it with a higher level spell slot. So it goes on to say at higher levels, when you cast this using a second level spell slot or higher, you can target an additional creature. Yeah, maybe it's worth just talking a little bit about the, the the shape that a spell can take. If you look at page 204 of the player's handbook, you'll notice that a spell can be cast in a, in a various number of, of ways. It can be a line that shoots out from you. It can be in a cone, like a dragon's breath. It can be in a cube, like fairy fire. It can be in a sphere, like the spell darkness. And it can be in a cylinder, like I think the spell daylight is a, I, I think that's wrong whatever it can be in a <laughs> cylinder moonbeam moonbeam is a yeah. cylinder. um uh and then there's also point of origin like bless it's a 30 foot radius with you as the point of origin so just be aware of that um and definitely ask your dm if you're confused about what any of those shapes mean yeah um and so i know bless was one action if you go two spells down on that same page on page 219 you'll see a spell called blinding smite and you'll notice that the casting time there says one bonus action spells like this are amazing because when it's your turn in combat that means that i can cast blinding smite and it gives me a bonus to my melee weapon so if i'm wielding a long sword or a great sword or something and i bonus action cast bland- blinding smite on my sword that means i still have my action available to me and then i can attack with my sword that has now gotten the added bonus of uh 3d8 added to when i make a hit with my sword right so there's sort of two caveats to spell casting and using spell slots generally. The first is that obviously you only have a limited number of spell slots. Just be aware of when those spell slots replenish. For the vast majority of spellcasters, you're going to get spell slots back on a long rest. Uh, wizards and circle of the land druids have certain abilities that um, every short rest you can get a certain number of spell slots back Um, and warlocks actually get spell slots back on a short rest but have access to fewer spell slots overall but just be aware you really have to sort of manage your resources when you're casting spells you can't just 
spam a bunch of spells. I was kind of pissed off when I first read this and got into D&D. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so limited. But then you realize, like, it would be so dumb if you could just spam these spells. It really wouldn't be all that meaningful. The other really important limitation is that you can only expend one spell slot per turn. So what does that mean? Let's say you're a third level cleric. You have, as your action, you decide to cast the spell Cure Wounds. And then you go and say, okay, I cast Cure Wounds at first level on Anna. And then bonus action, I cast second level Spiritual Weapon. Well, you can't do that. Both Cure Wounds and Spiritual Weapon consume spell slots. And the rule is that you can only consume one spell slot on your turn. However, you can use a a uh, a cantrip because cantrips don't expend spell slots. So let's say you're a first level druid and you want to cast fairy fire. You go ahead and cast fairy fire. You can still bonus action cast shillelagh as your bonus action. And and because let's say you're preparing for some creatures to get into melee range next round, that is perfectly acceptable. And I think perhaps the last aspect of this that we can touch on um, before we end our spellcasting lesson is last time when Sandy was on, we had her calculate her spell attack bonus and then her spell save DC. And what does what does that mean when you're casting a spell? How does that relate? So there are some spells that have you make an attack roll, like just like you would with a sword, just like you would with a great axe or a weapon in your hand. They have you roll that D20 um, to see if your attack, even with a spell, actually hits the creature that you are targeting. So take something like Guiding Bolt, which you'll find on 248 of the player's handbook. It says, make a ranged spell attack, which means that you roll the dice, your d20, and then you add that spell attack number. So when we had Sandy calculate um, her her paladin's uh, spell attack and she said it was a plus five because of her charisma um, and her proficiency added together that's the number um, depending on what your spell casting ability modifier is you'll you'll calculate that on your character sheet ahead of time and you'll add that number to the attack bonus or to the attack roll and that's how you'll calculate um, whether or not you hit the creature you're targeting mm-hmm. yeah um, but some spells and some cantrips require the creature that you are targeting to roll a uh, saving throw. And depending on the number that they reach, that's the spell save DC on your character sheet will tell you if it meets, then they save, or if they if it meets and is higher, then they save on that and your uh, spell does not hit. Right. Or in some cases for higher level spells, uh, other than cantrips, then maybe they'll take half damage on a save. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think our young budding spellcasters pew, 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 <laughs> um, are are fully prepared to enter the world of spellcasting. And I think next time, why don't we uh, switch gears and talk about smashing stuff with hammers and swords? Yes. Yeah. Rip it apart with my bare hands. Those are the only weapons I need. Just yeah. kidding. I like a oh. long sword. <laughs> <laughs> All right, spellcasters. Wands up, flick and swish, class is dismissed. <laughs>